Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, Glenn is on the air. He is uh, working from home now with his uh, back issues, but he is in uh, rare form today uh, talking about the importance of schools and education and how we're forming the next you know, hopeful century of our, our, our lives here in this country. Uh, you know, there is so much going on with crit- critical race theory and um, all of this craziness going on in our schools what can you do about it though we talked to a teacher who's actually making a difference and changing has changed multiple cities uh and the way they're treating critical race theory we're going to get into that today uh also talk to jason whitlock jason whitlock of course the journalist uh he's here to talk about what's going on in minnesota he was put in twitter jail twitter has released him from twitter jail we'll tell you how that happened which still is very very bizarre and go into what is the solution to everything we're dealing with in, uh, in when it comes to racial relations and Minnesota and our relation with police and everything else. We'll get into that today all on the podcast. Don't forget, tonight is a back-to-back Stu Does America, 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by a new Glenn TV. Uh, it's going to be a really a really good uh, back-to-back show. I know Glenn has uh, doing a lot on education again tonight and what we can do about it. Uh, I'm going to go into the... Uh, what this Johnson and Johnson vaccine thing really means. I've been looking into all the data. Uh, the media is is doing quite a job on this one. We'll get into that as well. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and go to Stu Does America as well on this podcast app. You can subscribe there. Get all these shows for free. They're always available to you. Thanks so much. Here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. All right, I'm going to give you a couple of stories here, and the first story I want you to put a pin in um, because I just I, I want I want to I want to give it to you, but then I'm going to come back to it. So put a pin in this story. Listen to this. Tuesday, it was reported that Centers of Disease Control and Prevention and the Food and Drug Administration announced that they were recommending a pause in the administration of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine out of an abundance of caution. According to release statements, officials are examining whether uh, whether the vaccine was linked to six cases in the U.S. of rare and severe type of blood clot. The one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been administered more than 6.8 million times across the country. But we have found six cases out of the 6.8 million, six cases. And so they've stopped. Put a pin in that. By the way, so you have an idea. The risk of blood clots from the pill is 2,000 times higher than what Johnson & Johnson is experiencing now in the vaccine. The pill, 2,000 times higher for these exact blood clots. Why is this being stopped? Okay, put a pin in it. I'm coming back. I need to talk to you about a couple of fronts that I'm just going to go over just so you are aware of. But we'll do all the work on this, so you don't have to worry about it. We have our eyes on it. Romania's former anti-Russian president is saying now that NATO will not lift a finger for Ukraine. And in his opinion, 
the Russians will now occupy Ukraine, the whole country, and threaten Europe next. There's an allegation that Hungary has made a secret deal with Moscow to get territory it lost in World War II if they leave NATO. Putin has threatened war with NATO if they intervene in support of Ukraine. The reason why this is coming up now is because there are 250,000 troops that Russia has deployed on the Ukrainian border. Now, they expect experts who are watching this, that that number will rapidly increase over the next couple of weeks. The Russians have said, no, this is a regular exercise. No, it's not. No, it's not. Now, they may retreat if we stand up, but we're not going to. Russians are also deploying mobile mortars. This according to Jane's, which watches this stuff for a living. That these mortars will fire tactical nuclear weapons, and such weapons are being moved up to the border right now. Secretary of Defense Austin is going to NATO headquarters as the war alert level has been raised to potential imminent threat. Putin is going to deliver a speech in the next 10 days. Rumors in Russia say it will be an ultimatum of some kind. The ground in Ukraine is muddy at the moment. When it dries by mid-May, uh, mid-May or later, the Russian offensive, some believe, will begin. The Ukrainian president, Zelensky, says that war cannot be avoided now. Let me say that again. War cannot be avoided now. Ukraine will lose its sovereignty if it gave in to the present Russian demands. Zelensky said war might be avoided if NATO admitted Ukraine as a member. The United States, despite Joe Biden saying, I'm tough on Putin, said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We are now in the period, what has been called one clenched fist, in which Russia and China start flexing their military muscle. We'll see how it plays over the next couple of weeks. There will be serious economic consequences because of the Russian army. It'll be much closer and more threatening, and NATO will have an absolute crisis. Massive amounts of money will be needed, and guess who will have to pony up for all of that? Now let me give you, do you remember what you put a pin in? Let me give you something else that we're watching on the war front. The new director of national intelligence has issued a report saying, quote, some hard hit developing countries are experiencing financial and and humanitarian crisis, increasing the risks of surges in migration, collapsed governments or internal conflict. The economic I'm quoting the economic fallout from the pandemic is likely to create or worsen instability in at least a few and perhaps many countries as people grow more desperate in the face of interlocking pressures that include sustained economic downturns, job losses and disrupted supply chains. If there is a collapse, still quoting, if there is an economic collapse in any given country. It is only natural that there will be migration flows to places where the economy is more robust. Are we concerned about the economic impacts that this might have, which could lead to migration? 
As militaries face growing calls to cut budgets, gaps are emerging in the U.S. peacekeeping operations. Military training and preparedness, counterterrorism operations, and arms control monitoring, verification, and compliance. These gaps are likely to grow without a quick end to the pandemic and a rapid recovery, making managing a conflict more difficult, particularly because the pandemic has not caused any diminution. Uh, making things smaller in the number of intensity or uh, of conflicts. My God, how did I get this job? I apologize. Radio Hall of Fame. We expect COVID-19 to remain a threat to populations worldwide until vaccines and therapeutics are widely distributed. Let me again take that pin back out now and talk about Johnson & Johnson. 2,000 times more likely to have those blood clots with the pill than with this vaccine why are we shutting things down why why is this happening why aren't we uh uh doing everything we can to get back onto our feet and open things up why are we not watching our border and making our border super strong if our director of national intelligence is saying revolutions are coming. And when one boat is swamped, people will rush and swamp the next boat. Oh, by the way, one last in this. Iran has ramped up uranium enrichment to the highest levels they've ever done. As Biden seeks to reenter the nuclear deal. Okay, I'm done with all. I'm done with all that. Uh, we will keep our eye on that for you. Um, and let me give you a piece of good news. And here's how I know it's good news: the New York Times, the Daily Today, was freaking out about it, and that is the rights of religion are being strengthened. There was a decision uh, about uh, churches being able to hold, you know, Bible study and be able to open up their churches and, and, and be treated like the bowling alley um, and not held to uh, a standard that Walmart doesn't have to be held to. Well, it, it went in the favor of religion. Thank God. 5-4 decision. And it has real impact. And I know this because the New York Times just did their daily today where they talked to their expert on the Constitution, uh, you know, a reporter from the New York Times. Uh, And uh, he says the the Supreme Court has really handed uh, victory after victory after victory for the religions of America. And to so much so that they're they're getting special treatment. I mean, and and uh, this this court's completely out of control. They are freaking out. The one thing that Donald Trump did that you can never take away from him, and you can also say, "Thank God, thank God," is what he did on the Supreme Court and the lower courts. Now, they don't like it because it's not an activist court in their favor. And quite honestly, I don't think it's an activist court in any favor 
as it should be. It's just strictly constitutional many times. I don't want an activist on the right, and I don't want an activist on the left. I want a constitutional court. They're freaking out because it seems as though that's what we have, at least on the First Amendment. As it should be. As it should be. Don't get discouraged. Religious rights have been greatly empowered. Now, my question to your church, my question that you should be asking your pastor, priest, or rabbi, we have been emboldened. We have gotten many of our rights back that have been lost for a long time. What are we as Christians and what are you as the pastor and we as a church doing to protect the rights of all mankind? Pulpits. Pastors, priests, you have failed us. You have failed the country. Do not fail anymore. God has helped you out by giving you enriched and strengthened rights. For the first time in a long time, you have almost full access to the rights that God has given you. What are you going to do with that? The best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh my gosh, do we? Did you have anything but bread and water in Twitter jail, Jason? Uh, they actually fed me very well. Very, very uh, well. Good. They let good, me order good. DoorDash while I was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. welcome back. Uh, you know, now you have your voice back. Twitter has got to play such an important role in your life. Uh, you know, I, it does in terms of my media career, but uh, yeah. I got, I don't have, you ever heard of the TV show, uh, The Wire, Glenn? Yeah. Yeah, The Wire is widely known as the greatest show ever. It's certainly my favorite show. And I don't know if it's widely known as the greatest yeah, show no, it ever. Really is. I think that might. No, I think that might is. be hub. It is very well respected. Very, no, 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 no I mean, it's it, very well yeah. respected, but it is not widely known as the greatest show. A lot of people ever. do say it, but I mean, it, you know, it's not universal. Obviously, I didn't, yeah. I didn't say universal. A lot of people said widely. Type in. A lot of people think. A lot of people think Titanic was the greatest movie. No, <laughs> that's a, a movie. lot of people think <laughs> Avatar was the greatest movie. That doesn't make it true. Anyway, go ahead. But if you type into Google. Greatest TV show greatest in history. TV There's show. three candidates that they're going to get written about. The Sopranos, The Wire, and Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. I was going to say and, Breaking Bad, yeah. Uh, the Wire is the greatest show in TV history. Most competent people recognize that. <laughs> and uh, they had a drug kingpin named Avon Barksdale. Mm-hmm. And he had a saying about jail. You only do two days. The day you go in and the day you come out. And so I just did my two days. <laughs> oh, well, and, there you go. You know, why did you go into Twitter jail? I, I went into Twitter jail because I was critical of the Black Lives Matter founder that bought a one point four million dollar home in a neighborhood with one point four percent black population. And, you know, she's making her living and building her brand off of saying that white supremacy 
uh, has total control over the destiny of black people and that all white people are basically have privilege and they're racist. And so it just seems odd to me that a woman with those beliefs would live in a community where there's only 1.4% black people. That mm. seems contradictory. And it's, I think it it's 90% white. So she'll have a lot of white cops and a lot of white people to complain about. It would be a little like Dietrich Bonhoeffer moving into the Nazi neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, if you really believed it. Yeah. You'd be like, mm, that doesn't really make sense. Does so it? they slammed me in Twitter jail, and then they waited four days and sent me a note, Twitter did, that hmm. said, uh, this was yesterday around 6 p.m., hello, thanks for reaching out about this. I did not reach out to them. That's a lie. <laughs> uh, Twitter takes reports like this very seriously. And our goal is to create a safe environment for everyone to express themselves freely. We've, we've reviewed your account, and it looks like we made a mistake. Our records have been updated to indicate there was no violation, and we apologize for causing you to delete the tweet. I never deleted the tweet. That's why I retweeted it right. uh, immediately <laughs> yesterday. Uh, we appreciate your patience while we investigated this. Thanks, Twitter. And, and just to add on to what uh, Jason said earlier, I've now pulled up two 100 greatest show uh, lists of all time. And? From Rolling Stone. Number yeah. three, Breaking Bad. Number two, The Wire. Yeah. Number one, The Sopranos. Uh, yeah, I disagree with Rolling Stone. Uh, and then uh, uh, IGN. Oh, you can disagree, but I can't disagree. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I think widely fair. IGN has Breaking Bad at number four, uh, The Sopranos at number two, and The Wire at number one. So, I mean, this is, I got to say, in context, I think it's What's fair, number three? Fair why did you skip number three? It was The Twilight Zone, and it wasn't involved in our, in our previous conversation. That's okay. why I skipped it. All right. Let uh, me tell you what's crazy about the, my love of The Wire. And the, the guy that created it is a former Baltimore uh, Sun reporter, David Simon. He's absolutely one of my idols. He's one of the most deranged leftists on the planet. Mm. He's left of Bernie Sanders. But I love, I love what he did with The Wire. He told the truth with The Wire. I don't know how it's so inconsistent with... I know. I don't know how they yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes mm. Aaron Sorkin gets into places where you're like, I don't think you believe that, do you, Aaron? Uh, I don't know how they produce it, but he's he's somebody that I just really disagree with vehemently on politics, but his stuff is brilliant. Um, let me go back to you, a known, widely known liar. <laughs> uh, this from uh, this, the latest on you uh, came out yesterday. Sports pariah and white America's favorite lapdog, Jason Whitlock, is unfortunately a black man. As such, Whitlock, that's, a, that's an wow. amazing sentence. Yeah. Whitlock has found a niche in life in which his whole modus operandi is to denounce, bash, and destroy the movement for black lives. Whitlock hates black people. He hates progressive black people even more. He really hates black female athletes who don't just stick to sports. And he really, really hates black people who protest after an unarmed black person has been shot by the police. <laughs> You're not going to even respond, are you? Well, You're I, just not gonna... I, read the, I read the deal <clears throat> yesterday, I believe. It's in mm -hmm. the root. It, yeah. It's one yeah. of... it's. One of the most dishonest, vile no. things that 
Wow. You could say it. I, I would be embarrassed if I worked at the root, if mm-hmm. if someone published something like that, that so far removed from the truth and just the only intent is to try to harm and damage, disparage, slander, smear my reputation. Uh, you know, what's comical about this is I've actually, not even comical, but it's just sad. The, the you know, I've actually had the experience of a close family member, a family member that I helped raise, a cousin that as a child came to Kansas City with some other cousins of mine to visit with visit me, blah, blah, blah. I stood in the gap because he had no relationship with his dad. Uh, in 2012, he was killed by police, uh, sheriffs, mm. two sheriff's officers in Indianapolis. Uh, my family has been through the stereotypical Black Lives Matter experience. The issue isn't a joke to me, and that's why I'm in disagreement with Black Lives Matters because they've turned it into a hustle for money rather than seeking any type of solutions. Police brutality has actually, just across the board, has actually decreased in America over the last 30 or 40 years. Policing has actually gotten better. If we have an issue with police brutality, and let us I will agree that we do, it's not a racial problem. Trust me, if you do the research and because of what happened to my family member in 2012, I've been all the way down the police brutality rabbit hole and you can find incredible incidences that involve white police officers assassinating white people. And I say that without a bit of exaggeration. I believe the young man's name is Robert. Well, you've already blown your hang on. You've already blown your credibility with the wire thing. So now you're expecting <laughs> now you're expecting me to believe this isn't an overreach. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And so I, I'm just if we address police brutality in mass as like, oh, hey, we got a problem with policing, and maybe they're using guns too often, and they're blah blah blah. It's not a racial issue. It's some people get drunk on their power as police officers, yeah, and do inappropriate things, and uh. You know, it cuts across racial lines. All the studies, all the data show it. Uh, and this this promotion of fear that people, oh, my God, you should be afraid of the police, blah, blah, blah. Not if you co- cooperate and comply with them. There's virtually no chance. And again, I look at the stories that are being written about what just happened to Dante Wright and everyone saying, oh, he was killed after a traffic stop. no. And again, I'm not exonerating the police officer. She, what she did was negligent and incompetent. Uh, which, which part? Firing her gun into a car, moving away. Uh, thinking she had a taser in her hand when she had a handgun. Okay. I, yeah, I think yeah, okay. when you fire a weapon, you, you need to take a look at it and not just draw it. <laughs> well, they also feel a little different. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I would take a, a look at it before taser. firing. Yeah, to make yeah, sure, okay. particularly if I was carrying two different things, and so, I, but I don't think there's any racial intent here by this woman. I'm sorry, it's terrible what's happened. I don't think what she did is criminal. I think it should cost her her job, and she has resigned from her job. But, but my m- number one point is, if the media were being accurate, they would say Dante Wright shot and killed after resisting arrest. Because that the traffic stop had nothing to do with him being shot and no. killed. His resistance he was, did. 
Yeah, and it wasn't even a resistance to arrest because of the traffic stop. This guy tried to choke a woman twice for 800 bucks. Uh, she was she was helpful to him. She was nice to him. And he pulled a gun on her in the end and said, give me all your money. She said, are you kidding me? After all of this, you're kidding me, right? He said, I'm not. He tried to choke her. He tried to choke her twice. It went to court. He was let out on a hundred thousand dollar bail. He skipped out on bail. He was told that he had to, you know, check in. He had to stay away from drugs and guns and everything else. Well, when they stopped him, he knew he was going to jail and it wasn't about a traffic stop. He was going to jail because he not only had to face trying to choke this woman, but also skipping out of bail and doing all of the things that he was told he had to or not doing all the things he was told he had to do to be in compliance. What what does this have to do with? This guy was just trying not to go to jail. He's not a good guy. There are media reports, Glenn, that, and this is just what drives me crazy because I honestly believe the truth will set you free. The truth is the anecdote for a lot of the chaos. But there are stories out there that, oh, he was pulled over for an air freshener and he was shot oh, be- over it. a traffic violation. Again, he was pulled over for expired plates. I've been pulled over for that. Uh, he was pulled over and he was shot because he resisted arrest. Again, I would have preferred for the female police officer shot him with a taser like she was attempting to do. Uh, but again, if you don't resist, again, if you don't want to be harmed by the police, don't resist. It, it, trust th- things. I've been pulled. Over. I, I lie, when I used to drive, I don't drive much anymore, but I, I've I've driven a Mercedes for 20 some odd years and those things go really fast because they hook. And so I was a bad speeder. And so I got pulled over a lot and I just killed the policeman with kindness. And you would be amazed how many tickets I've avoided and how much respect they've given me back because of the respect I give them. I've even as a kid, when I was a I think a junior or a senior in college, I'm home in Indianapolis visiting my stepmother and stepsister and stepbrother who live in the hood. And so at night I got pulled over for an expired license plate. And I had a suspended driver's license uh, for an unpaid traffic ticket. And in Indianapolis at that time, this is 1989, 1990, sometime around there, that was an they automatic arrest. That was they shot auto- and killed you, didn't <laughs> no. they? They so, did. They shot and killed you. Big old police oh cop said, hey, get out of the car. I got out of the car. Put your hands behind your back. I put my hands behind my back. He put me into the back of his car, and he drove me to jail. And, and, and I was, at this time, I wasn't as pudgy as I am now. I was still fresh <laughs> off the college football field. And so I was kind of swell, swelled up. And, you know, I looked the part of somebody, and this is in the middle of the night, 10 p.m. at night. I looked the part of somebody that could be a threat to the police or whatever. But anyway, got to, and so I'm in the back of the car like, oh, man, I'm going to jail. Oh, man, I'm going to. And the cops said, hey, man, they're going to be so scared of you. And you'll be out of here in 10, 12 hours. Shut up. And I shut up and went to jail. (laughs) This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. 
There is a super spreader event, and this super spreader event is far more dangerous and uh, truly deadly to our children. And this virus has escaped the university labs, and it is super spreading through our culture. It is truly deadly for your kids, and it is, I mean, almost a religion now. It's called CRT for short. It's rooted in Marxism, and it is flooding our public school systems. You've never seen anything like this. Uh, now, just yesterday, we found out in Santa, Cla- uh, Santa, Ca- Santa Clara County, the, um, uh, the Board of Education has just called the U.S. a parasitic system based on the invasion of white male settlers Teachers are instructed to cash in on kids' inherent empathy. That is a quote. They also say in the training that you got to be very careful if you're online. Parents are now watching, so be very, very careful. It is spreading everywhere, and it is deadly, deadly to our society, and quite honestly, I think deadly to the soul of our children. Anything that teaches that one race of people is good, another race of people are born bad, is evil. Anything that tells my child that for whatever reason they can't make it is evil. I have a daughter with cerebral palsy, and uh, she beats herself up all the time. It's her birthday today. She's 33. She's a miracle. She's one of the nicest people I know. She is really super, super smart. Um, And anything, anyone who would say, you know, you really can't do that. Oh, my gosh. I'd come unhinged. Anybody that would do that would be evil. They're doing it every day to our kids. And uh, tonight, our special is on this. This is a must-watch. If there is only one thing that you can do, because there's so many things that are on fire right now, this one, the house is on fire. And you're standing outside, and you haven't noticed yet that your kids are still in the house. You've got to get your kids out of the house until the fire is extinguished. Uh so uh, today, I want to, that's tonight's special on Blaze TV. You can get it on Pluto. I think it'll be up on YouTube, um, but it's definitely on Blaze TV, 9 p.m. live tonight. Don't miss this special. It's critical. We have Lori Myers. Uh, she's a California educator, co-founder of Educators for Quality and Equality, not equity, important difference. She's. Uh, it's a grassroots group of educators making sure that we're not killing our kids and teaching them poison. We welcome her back to the uh, program now. Lori, how are you? I'm good, Glenn, and thank you so much for having me on today and bringing attention to this incredibly important issue that's not just in our California schools, but really oh. all across the country. You know, I think people think that it is only in uh, the California schools or in those crazy places. It's certainly not in my school, not here in South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, wherever you are. But it absolutely is everywhere now. Uh, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. 
do you think that maybe that's part of the reason why the teachers unions don't want to go back to school? Because by the time we do go back to school, it will be a different type of education altogether. So um, that's a really important point. Um, Our focus is really on the curriculum that's going to be in schools. And teachers do have a say in what happens with curriculum. And teachers unions are actually quite influential when it comes to curriculum. Right. But for the most part, the authority for curriculum decisions lies with individual school districts. And that's actually where parents and community members have a lot of power to enact change and advocate for something better for their students. So I saw something today that I I know you can talk about. And take me through this. I saw a pathway to equitable math instruction. First, can you... Can you please help under people understand the difference between equi- equity and equality? They're they're being used as they're interchangeable, and they are not. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think whenever I see we're looking for equity, I think that's a first sign of real trouble. Um, Glenn, I'm really glad you brought that up. And probably the most straightforward way to understand the difference between equality and equity is that equality, which is foundational to our country, equal opportunity for all, means that everybody has equal access to everything. And that's the way it should be. Equitable doesn't mean equal access. It means equal outcomes, which actually flies in the face of everything that we as teachers know about best educational practices, which is to grow every student to his or or her individual potential. Um, What's interesting is that I looked up the National Education Association Code of Conduct. That's the largest teacher union in the country for public school teachers. And in their code of conduct, it tells teachers to believe in the belief and worth and dignity of every individual human being. That, to me, speaks to equality, equal access, not equity, identical outcome. Correct. Which is impossible, by the way, uh, unless your standard is so incredibly low. Um, All right. So let me get back to a pathway to equitable math instruction. The Gates Foundation has funded this math resource training that equates white supremacy culture uh, with mathematics and the way of teaching mathematics of getting on the right answer and showing your work, etc., etc. This sounds like Common Core gone really, really bad. Am I wrong? I'm so I am super glad you brought this up because our focus as an organization started with ethnic studies, which brought in critical race theory into the curriculum. And mm-hmm. we know because our priority is the safety and well-being of our students, how damaging critical race theory can be in the, in the context of an ethnic studies course or a history course. What's shocking is that critical race theory is now making its way into other academic areas including math. And that's what we're seeing in the pathway to equitable math resource that, as you said, labels, quote, focus on the right answer and showing your work in only one way as white supremacy culture. What's most disappointing about this document, and there are many disappointing things about this document, is that there are actually really good math practices recommended for teachers. But this kind of characterization is discriminatory 
it's racist, and it alienates teachers so that they won't even get to the good math practices that are recommended in this mm-hmm. document. Well, I, I mean, I'm sorry. It, it's just, again, common sense. If, if we can't say you've got to get the right answer, and, you know, just show me how you got to an answer, and, you know, you were right in many ways. Bridges will collapse. Airplanes will fall out of the sky spaceships you know rockets will blow up on the launch pad you there there is nothing but the right answer in mathematics you have to have the right answer and to teach that math is somehow racist when you're focusing on the right answer is literally deadly down the line am i over am i exaggerating I absolutely agree with that. And um, this is why we are in California so concerned about this particular resource, because it is included as a resource multiple times in the new California math framework. That's a draft framework. It comes out once every six or seven years. That is the definitive guide to California math teachers for teaching math K through 12. We teachers look forward to this document, this framework coming out so that we can become informed about best practices in math teaching and so that we have a plethora of resources that we can use to enrich our math students. When this resource is included in that document, it means that California would then be blessing white supremacist culture Uh, labeling uh, math practices as white supremacist culture and blessing that ideology for California. And we all know that where California goes in curriculum, the rest of the country follows. So this is the number one focus of our advocacy efforts right now is to get this resource pulled from the California math framework. So help people understand, you know, let me take a quick break. And then when we come back, help people understand how this is not about California. You know, you just said, as California goes, so goes the rest of the country. That's, that is really important because that's an understanding of, you know, the capitalist system. If California and Texas both sign on, all of our textbooks are going to be written for those huge uh, states and everybody else just gets, you know, the leftovers. They, get kind, they have to go kind of on that path. Um, otherwise, it's going to cost you a lot of money to develop something else uh, differently. Um, but that's not what we're even talking about. Just that alone is is bad. But this is a concerted effort in every state in the union. And the speed of which this is coming at us, I've never seen anything like it. Na, 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 na. 